uh, people in order to you know, improve self-concept self and self-esteem, they prefer to see their own profession different and better than others. When you know, we see our own profession better than others, it would be very hard to be able to easily collaborate with others. Welcome to Care to Connect, an interprofessional healthcare series about interprofessional collaboration in healthcare. I'm your host, Asma Kafour. More than 60% of medical errors are a result of poor communication between medical professionals, and unfortunately, the patients bear the brunt of these mistakes. This is where interprofessional education comes into play, that is, the process of learning how to collaborate. This process is complex, requiring healthcare professionals to confront their biases, attitudes, and the medical hierarchy that reinforces them. These goals are impressive as they are necessary, but IPE is not without its own challenges. I will be discussing these challenges and more with today's guest, Dr. Hussein Khalili, who is a leading member of Interprofessional Doc Global, an international interprofessional group focusing on interprofessional education, collaboration, and research. He is also the director of the University of Wisconsin Center of Interprofessional Practice and Education, and sits on multiple journal editorial and interprofessional collaborative boards. Join us as we delve into the inner workings of interprofessional education and collaboration, also known as IPEC. What is interprofessional education? Great, great questions. Thanks for having me. Um, interprofessional education is situations that when students or professions from uh, two or more professions coming together to learn with, from, and about each other to improve collaboration and quality of services. From my perspective, this is the definitions from WHO as well as CAPE. And from my understanding and my experience, every component or every element of this definition is as important as other. From two, to, two or more professions or students, uh, to learning with, from, and about each other, as well as to improve collaboration and quality of care. If we consider uh, these three elements in this definitions, then IPE is different than just bringing students together in a shared lecture or a shared classroom. And also IPE is different from the situations when students from just one professions being taught about IPE concepts or healthcare and others. So IPE is really situation when students learning but from and about each others to improve collaboration and quality of care. At the same time, they are from two or more professions together. All right, with, from, and about each other. So as someone who is in touch with the research in this area, how would you say interprofessional education has changed over time? Again, a wonderful question. So as many of the listeners know, uh, IPE is not new. Since, since 1978, WHO is promoting and advocating for learning together to working together. Uh, uh, however, in the past few decades, there has been great involvement and an advancement in IPE, uh, specifically in recent, uh, recent years and the last decade, I would say. I would say three major involvement has happened in, in recent decades that would include, uh, uh, it would be three main areas. One would be, uh, you know, more and more we see IP is not just being considered 
adds on or nice things to do rather you know is being part of the accreditations for quite a number of different profession and students accreditations or program accreditations uh, which is a great push specifically in the US to integrate IP into the into uh, into education professional education and and the university uh, the other involvement you know could be considered as um, uh, the recent movement, you know, previously there were just a few countries like Canada, US, UK, Australia, uh, and, and some uh, European country that might have integrated or started to integrate and promote IPE. In recent years, we see if you look at er any corner of the globe, we'll see IPE and IPE movement is happening uh, from South Africa to, uh, to South America to Asia and others. Uh, we can see there are regional networks for IP all around, some emerging, some established. And also we, we have in recent years, interprofessional.global, the confederation for interprofessional education and collaborative practice, and interprofessional research.global network of interprofessional education and collaborative practice research are really helping and facilitating and fostering this IP movement, which is very essential and student faculty and the IP community would really appreciate and acknowledge that. I mentioned the third one, the last uh, involvement for IPE, um, in recent years, specifically last decades or so, we see the IPE and IPCP, Interprofessional Education uh, for Collaborative Practice, is being more and more recognized as an academic discipline and a uh, you know, field of knowledge that is also you know, essential for the future of IPCP. So that's some things that uh, IPR.global International research that global is pushing and also is some things that would help with the advancements and, and integration of IP uh, for future years. What would you say are some of the most important lessons that we teach to people who are learning about interprofessional collaboration? What is clear, at least among majority of the IPE scholars, uh, is that the you know any students who come to uh, health and social programs, they need to to be able to uh, learn and also become competent when it comes into professional teamwork and collaboration. So uh, the importance of interprofessional collaboration and teamwork is essential. And, and uh, there's a consensus that any students should become competent at the time of graduation. So that's something that's very, very essential. For students learning and for education uh, and our educator and curriculum developers, one thing that is important to consider, you might have this question later, uh, a, a challenge to, to consider is, IP is sometimes seen as a tool or adds in to be added to a student's toolbox before graduation. We know based on the growing new evidence and also based on my own research and my colleagues' research, it shows that, you know, just looking or focusing on knowledge, skills, and attitudes for students uh, at the time of graduation for IP may not be sufficient. Rather, you know, the new evidence, again, growing evidence shows in order to see real changes, specifically as the outcome of IP in practice, is to graduate the students, graduate the students as interprofessional practitioners. 
in a way that they see themselves not just as a member of their own profession, rather, you know, they see member of their own at the same time member of the interprofessional team and interprofessional community. And that's some things that, you know, from my own research, I called it the dual identity, dual professional, interprofessional identity. And this dual identity development comes with socialization. In other words, for example, if we wanted nursing students or pharmacy students, you know, as they start their program and they want them to become a pharmacist or nurse and others from get to go, it's very important to help those students and program to acknowledge and also uh, teach students that they are part of the healthcare team and they need to become an interprofessional team member as well. From that aspect, when it comes to when to start, based on, again, growing evidence, it shows that the sooner the better because it's not, you know, IP is not a tool to be out of the toolbox. Rather, it would be part of who they are and who they become, which is identity development and internalizations of identity. In order to develop this, what you call a dual identity, so recognizing that you belong to a profession, but that also you're a health professional among other health professionals. So how do we do that? Yes. Thanks for referring to uh, the work that myself and colleagues have done in our interprofessional socializations. We know based on, you know, again, growing evidence that uh, coexisted identities is not an issue. Now, students, as well as many other people, could have um, two identities simultaneous and salient identities at the same time. They can see themselves to be part of their own profession, as well as interprofessional uh, community and team, so which is dual identity. Um, however, you know, in the past, there has been some, you know, research that demonstrated that sometimes these two cannot coexist. Based on my own uh, interprofessional socialization frameworks that are also being tested, you know, by myself as well as others, it shows that it's not about the professional identity that could not exist or coexist with our interprofessional identity, rather is a uni-professional identity that I'm going to explain further that could be in a barrier here. When, and according to the social identity theory, when students are being educated in isolations or socialized in isolation from students from others, they would develop a uniprofessional perspective in which they favor their own professions and discriminate against others. And this is all about self-concepts and self-esteem. So people in order to you know, improve self-concept self and self-esteem, they prefer to see their own profession different and better than others. When you know, we see our own profession better than others, it would be very hard to be able to easily collaborate with others. And this is, you know, this discrimination against others when it's added to the identity makes it kind of uniprofessional identity or uniprofessional perspective that is really hindering interprofessional collaboration. So if we have you know, the first step to help students breaking down their barriers by creating a trusting and open environment for students to reflect individually and as a team, hopefully it would help students to uh, open up and also to put aside their uni aspects of their professional identity or uni professional identity aside in order to be able to start listening to others, start learning from each other. 
So after students put aside their uni aspects of their uni professional identity, they create or they develop an adjusted professional identity in which they still favor their own profession, but at least they don't discriminate against others. That's the time that we can help students to you know, learn about teamwork, learn about interpersonal collaborations, and kind of become competent in interprofessional competencies. The goal is and the hope is that they would internalize both adjusted professional identity and the interprofessional identity that we call as a dual identity. What does the research say right now about the impact of interprofessional education on healthcare outcomes and how people benefit from it? Wonderful uh, question. So, uh, in in the recent years and recent decades, you know, every day we're receiving and we are having growing evidence that supports the impact of interprofessional education and collaborative practice on quadruple aim better health, better care, better value, and better work experience. Um, at the same time, so we need to remember, you know, healthcare is a complex situation and complex context that it might be hard, sometimes challenging, to assess directly the impact of interprofessional teamwork collaboration on uh, all or any aspects of quadruple aims. So this is, you know, as you know, my colleagues, uh, Dr. Barbara Maxwell and others are always saying, we need to utilize, uh, for example, complexity theory. We need to, you know, utilize different approach to demonstrate the impacts that IPE along with other uh, innovative in healthcare and, and healthcare delivery, patients, populations, and population health and other quadruple aims that we need. So and what I want to say, the evidence is coming and then we receive and we see more evidence, but at the same time, so some multi-organizations or uh, multi-institutional uh, research programs would be very helpful and essential to see the long-term impact. And also for, uh, for education, IPE, it would be very essential to uh, follow students you know, after graduation and, and see how these students implementing what they have learned through IPE into their real practice. Challenges in interprofessional care can actually begin long before students even enter the healthcare world. This is because often they can be taught strictly within their own program with little to no opportunity to work with others in different healthcare faculties. And without this exposure, students might have a poorer understanding of what their colleagues do and, as a result, might have difficulty collaborating with them when they do start working. Dr. Khalili expands on this. The other piece is healthcare professionals, specifically current health, healthcare professionals, the same as many of us, have been educated in isolation from each other. So they may not have a good grasp of uh, interprofessional collaboration and teamwork. If they don't, then, you know, as, as an IPA community, we need to help those practitioners, those healthcare providers to also have a better understanding and also become interprofessional practitioners. Again, we need to go above just in increasing their, their attitudes or their understanding. Rather, we need to help them to become the interprofessional practitioners that, that we need. So that's, that's the second. The third you know, issues in healthcare is really is about uh, power imbalance and hierarchy. 
research. So this is, you know, this hierarchy and then power imbalance in healthcare is not new again, uh, but it still is uh, in, in some areas is more prominent than, than others. And this is, you know, not something that so often being discussed in, in IP literature, but is essential. If we do not deal with that, the integrations and the advancements of IPCP could be hindered, you know, in long term. So I'm working with my colleague, Dr. Sherry Price, on a paper, short paper, discussion paper, to discuss, you know, this uniprofessional perspective from individual, professional, as well as healthcare perspective. So in which, you know, we will discuss, uh, generally speaking, healthcare, even in the current situations, is being viewed or being seen as the performance of single professions rather than to professional team. As long as we have such a perspective, you know, in, in healthcare, it would be hard to really see the real integration of IPCP practice. For example, some of the policies, some of the regulations, some of the procedures, I don't want to say are discouraging, but at least they are not in favor of interprofessional collaboration, interprofessional practice. If one profession is being recognized as the main decision maker or as main accountable, responsible person for healthcare, then you know the team cares and, and the interprofessional team uh, team collaboration may not be as effective as you would see. So uh, again, you know, in, in real healthcare practice, there are some works that needs to be done. And my colleagues and others also published uh, on paper on interprofessional collaboration uh, his, uh, policy analysis uh, for, uh, it was based on Ontario's uh, uh, IPC Act, but there are some implications for the broader IP community. Is there a difference in the way we talk to and teach about interprofessional care to practicing professionals, maybe people who haven't been introduced to it, versus students at school? Great point. I think this is an area that uh, we need more research and more knowledge to be explored. But at least based on my experience, as well as based on some of the current uh, literatures, for sure there are differences between how to approach practitioners versus the students when it comes to professional education. Uh, from my own experience, <clears throat> students, even though they come, uh, you know, they enter the program with some public view perspective and uniprofessional perspective related to their professional uh, career and professions, uh, but for practitioners, they already established their, uh, their identity. And if it's quite rigid, it could be, you know, the breaking down barriers stage of interprofessional socialization might take a little bit longer. So the focus on that steps could be further emphasized for practitioners. But at the same time, we have great practitioners out there that they're doing a fantastic job on, as interprofessional teammates. They learn on their own feet over time with their experience that really they cannot provide the quality service and quality of care if they don't work and collaborate with other healthcare. In other words, so those who are champion, those who are really practicing, you know, interprofessional team uh, team care, interprofessional collaborative practice could be utilized, you know, to champion to mentor those who are in earliest stage. So that's one way that we can look into. 
And the other is about, you know, utilizing, you know, both for students as well as most, most, most essentially for practitioners, the adult learning theory. So we need to utilize what their everyday practice and experience is and have them to reflect. Critical reflections on the way of practicing is very essential. So in healthcare, in mainly, or at least in, a, in most part, we need to be uh, professional. So we need to really be critical reflective on our everyday practice. So when it comes into professional continuing education, the other terms are sometimes used, this uh, critical reflection as well as adult learning theory could be very essential. But the bottom line is, as you mentioned, many of practitioners would need and would benefit as much as the students from interprofessional education. Why did you personally decide to dedicate so much of your career to researching interprofessional collaboration and education? Great question. So personally, I've been involved in healthcare. Uh, professionally, you know, I'm, I'm a nurse by profession. And since uh, 1996 or seven, I started, you know, practicing as a nurse while I was doing a bachelor degree and, and then continued with education uh, while I was doing my master's and I continued. So again, uh, I've been involved in both uh, education as well as practice, uh, you know, throughout my career. And I've been uh, working with the students, not just from nursing, rather with students from many different professions, uh, you know, in, in many different uh, countries and many different institutions that have been involved. And also, I've been, as I was practicing as a nurse firsthand, I, I, I realized and I experienced and I noticed that really there is no one profession that could provide all the health and social care needed for, uh, for a patient. So that was uh, triggers for me to really invest more uh, time on, on uh, research and professional education and practice. And then when I started my PhD uh, through my uh, supervisor, Dr. Carol Olcher, I was uh, you know, introduced to some research, Health Canada uh, funded uh, research project in IPCP as I was serving in uh, three, different, uh, three different research funded by Health Canada. And also I become uh, you know, part of the CIHC, Canadian International Health Collaborative. Um, and, and then I was asked to you know, lead the research network for CIHC that led to, over time, led to the development of interprofessional research that global. So it's building on, on each other's, but the, the, the base or the bottom line is, uh, you know, interprofessional education and collaborative practice and research on those and advancing and, and uh, uh, helping patient population has been, you know, in, uh, at the bottom of my heart. And, and I think, you know, that's very essential. That's the little things I can contribute to, to the society. Interprofessional education and collaboration is gradually becoming a staple in healthcare curriculum. The goal is simple, to work together. But the process can come with its own challenges, like requiring people to expand their mindsets into one that encompasses their field of practice, as well as how they relate to others in a wider clinical context. This mental configuration can be difficult, but improving collaboration in healthcare will be worth the time and effort it takes to achieve it. Care to Connect was produced by Asma Kafour. It was written by Michelle Mogilner and edited by Jill Johnson. 
Special thanks to Yas Salehi as well as Della Croteau, Sylvia Langlois, and Dean Lissing from the Center for Interprofessional Education at the University of Toronto. Music is by Poddington Bear and artwork by Caitlin Lazar.